let's turn our attention, as we've done every weekend for the last wee while, actually, uh, to Russia and Ukraine and the potential for war and the potential response if Putin does invade Ukraine from the US. Now, the latest is, is that it's not just Macron from France who has had a conversation with Putin saying, let's not have war. Uh, Biden has just had a 90 minute phone conversation with Putin. So to bring us up to speed on that and what may happen if Putin does indeed invade, TVNZ US correspondent Anna Burns Francis is with us once again. How are you doing? G'day, guys. Yeah, really well. Thank you. Watching this with um, interest. Yeah, the wording around all of these conversations, very delicate conversations, you've got to imagine. It's pretty interesting. What do, what do we know about what came out of the conversation that Biden and Putin had? Well, we know the phone call. So the phone call was at 11 o'clock this morning and the press, the official press readout of it didn't come out for a couple of hours. Obviously, some very careful uh, diplomatic wording going on because it seems like not a whole lot was achieved. The wording Biden told Putin that the West would, quote, respond decisively. Well, that's no different to the message we've already been hearing for some weeks now. But what particularly, what exactly that means and what at what level does the US determine that will happen, we just don't know yet. The wording also, interestingly, in the statement that came out from that phone call today says, if Russia undertakes a further invasion of Ukraine, I've got to find it quite interesting that they say a further invasion. There's no uh, indication in clear boundary um, terms so far that Russia has actually invaded Ukraine. And I, I do wonder with some of the missteps that the US has had so far in having to correct some of its statements around this, that they're not quite sure they might be prodding the bear a little bit to try and get the upper hand. Because at the moment, you've got to think the US maybe doesn't have the upper hand in this. Because Biden, um, I heard him last night on the news, explicitly rule out Americans being involved in the conflict because he said, well, that would be Americans and Russians shooting each other would, would, would be World War Three. So it boils down to uh, sanctions for the US, I guess, doesn't it? And how effective, yeah. how effective yeah. can the action well, that they take be? <laughs> Exactly. How effective would they be? We'll look at history. In Crimea with the invasion in 2014, economic sanctions did nothing. The US imposed those sanctions. Russia continued on. It didn't deter them in the slightest. And depending on how uh, determined President Putin is to continue with this action, no doubt he will continue to some extent to keep that pressure on. It's certainly been on those borders for some time now and is only accelerating and getting more intense. The issue is that what can the US and Europe really do when they are so reliant on Russia? A third of all of Europe's natural gas comes from Russia. Russia is also the world's second largest producer of oil. The price is going to go up once those economic sanctions are in place or if Russia decides to turn off the tap because they're not happy with the solutions being proposed. It's it's not looking good either way, but certainly you've got to think that President Putin is the one calling the shots at the moment. I wonder whether there are any niceties, you know, when these phone calls get revealed. Is there a, hey, how's it going? Or, you know, do you do you cut straight to the chase and say, you're on the cusp of starting World War Three, buddy? I mean, do we have any idea how these diplomatic phone conversations go? Um, President Putin's call out said that uh, he said he would stay in touch, which seems like quite a nice informal way of putting things. Oh, I'll stay in touch. You know, mm. you, th you think I'm going to invade on Wednesday, but don't worry, I'll be in touch. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I'll let you know if your intelligence is right. So, look, I'm sure there 
is some very careful, practiced and measured diplomats taking every step they can to not offend the other party while trying to be quite pushy. And I certainly wouldn't want to be the one on either side trying to, to make mm. these phone calls and make these decisions. Um, but you've got to think if nobody's making much progress, that also probably means that nobody's had some really like, this is it, I'm making a call. It's time yep. to go either way. Assuming that uh, Russia does decide to invade, who actually would the combatants be? Uh, putting aside yeah. the talk about acting decisively, is it going to be the you're on your own buddies when it uh, to the Ukraine when it comes to actual combat? I mean, it's not going to be the US. So they have already said they're not sending in combat troops and they did have 150 US soldiers in Ukraine who were helping train Ukrainian troops. They've gone. So there, is, there isn't even anyone helping the Ukrainians from the US side anymore. The problem is the US is saying that they've got the situation and this is what they're going to do if this happens and they're ready to strike back and da-da-da-da, this is plan A, B and C. The problem is Europe's not really on board with that because of this natural gas issue. And also the US kind of has this tendency to interfere in areas where it's considered not their own backyard. And this is Europe's backyard. You know, and we've seen uh, Emmanuel Macron, the French president, sort of try and take a slightly more diplomatic line here. Let's, you know, not commit to NATO coming on the full force here because they also don't want that pipeline to be shut off. They don't want a, a huge war erupting on their borders or on their backyard uh, really, with having to commit NATO troops. So it is a bit tricky. And the Ukrainians might find, despite having, I think the last deployment was 90 tonnes of weaponry sent in yesterday, that it's not going to last long against Russia. And very quickly on a different topic as we wrap up that I see that Hillary Clinton has got some merchandise uh, which says, but my emails or but her emails and, uh, and all the money goes to charity. This is after uh, Trump uh, and reports that he'd flush documents down the toilet. Uh, so, and I hear it's not just the toilet. He was, he was just getting rid of it. He was even eating documents to get rid of them. Someone could make Truly, the number of headlines that have come out in the last week about documents and politicians and toilets and NFTs and online auctions and T-shirts, someone could make a serial drama out of this. It is days of our lives. It is completely bonkers. And I think for everyone's sanity, we should ignore all of them. Are they talking politics? Yes, I'll listen to you. Are you talking about flushing things down the toilet? No, I won't. They're all liars. He was absolutely flushing things down the toilet, by the way, of course he was. <laughs> if mean, anyone tells you, yeah. if anyone attacks, attack is the best form of defense, right? If anyone says, oh, but they were doing that, that means they were doing it themselves. Yeah, exactly. I mean, these are official documents that were being flushed down yeah. the toilet from the same person yeah. who wanted her locked up for what happened that, with that's, We only know about one time. Imagine four years of flushing things down the toilet. Why didn't you just use a shredder? I mean, the old adage, like toilet paper, if you try to flush anything other than toilet paper down the toilet, it just does not go very well. And, you know, uh, he spent four uh, years watching um, drug movies probably and thought, yeah. that's where they get rid of it all, down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Anna Burns-Francis, TVNZ US correspondent. Always appreciate it. We'll talk again soon. 